you to think for a second about how often in the scriptures women were the chosen vehicle for ministry. When Jesus was prompted to perform his very first miracle, you remember who it was? It was mama. Amen. It was a woman. Who was it that ministered to Christ in his first public ministry? Women. Who anointed the body of our crucified Savior? Women. Who stayed with Jesus throughout his trial and his crucifixion? Women. Who were the first witnesses to our resurrected Savior? Women. And who makes up the majority of church congregations today? Say it with me. Women. According to the Barna Research Group, uh, a group that surveys Christian circles, Barna said that women are the backbone of the Christian faith in America. I want to say amen, Mr. Barna. According to the Barna survey, women are more likely than men to be religious. Women are more likely than men to become Christians. Women are more likely than men to be, to be completely committed to Jesus Christ. Women are more likely than men to read their Bibles, to attend church regularly, to pray to God, to participate in small groups, and women are more likely than men to have daily quiet time with God. Thank you, women. In the book of Ruth, Boaz, who would be her husband, said this of Ruth. All the people in my town know that you, Ruth, are a virtuous woman. Boaz said, all the women, all the people in my town know, Ruth, that you are a woman of excellence. Friends, I believe that like Ruth, we should all strive to reach this goal of biblical excellence. To know that we are people of biblical excellence. To know that we are reflecting the character of God and that we are also becoming like the Son of God. But you need to know something. This lofty goal of biblical excellence comes with a tremendous cost to you. First of all, you need to know that biblical excellence is rooted in surrender. It's rooted in surrender. I believe that surrendering to Christ, surrender to Christ is best understood in my favorite Bible verse, Galatians 2.20. 
Paul said to the Galatian church, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. And this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That, friends, is surrender in a nutshell. Now, John the Baptist summed up this process of surrender by proclaiming this about Jesus. He said, He must increase. I must decrease. Jesus must become greater and greater in my life. And I must become less and less in my life. So friend, whatever religious knowledge, whatever spiritual knowledge that you think you have, I want to tell you this morning that it is useless if it does not lead to a real and ongoing practice of surrender. Surrender. Say that with me. Surrender. What is surrender? Well, you know the military meaning of surrender means throw your hands up. And give up. That's exactly what surrender is. It's giving up. It's relinquishing your rights. It's yielding to one who is greater than you. Surrender is abandoning self and submitting to a greater authority. Now, as you seek to live your life in biblical excellence, I want to make you a guarantee this morning. I want to guarantee you that you will encounter opposition. You will encounter opposition from the enemy of your soul, the devil. You will encounter opposition not only from the the sinful world in which you live, but also from all the sinful people that live around you. But there is someone far greater who opposes your desire to be biblically excellent. As you endeavor to become biblically excellent, you're going to find that your biggest opposition is self. The person you saw in the mirror this morning. If If you allow that enemy to live, I want to convince you this morning it will be your undoing. However, if you deny this enemy of self, if you give up everything for Christ's sake, I can guarantee you victory in biblical excellence. Oswald Oswald Chambers wrote in his book, My Utmost for His Highest, that there is only one thing that God wants in us. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Unconditional surrender. The one thing that God wants from you is unconditional surrender. Again, my verse in Galatians 2.20 tells us how we get there. It tells us the condition for surrender. It tells us that the condition for surrender is death to self. I am crucified with Christ. 
Whenever anybody is crucified, they come off the cross dead. Dead to self. That is the condition for surrender. But my verse also gives me the result of surrender. A life of faith. The life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, biblical surrender, biblical excellence is not about you being interested in Jesus. Being biblically excellent is not about you clocking in at church on Sunday morning. Biblical excellence is not about you avoiding the curse words, although that's important, amen? Biblical excellence is about you giving up your life and giving it to Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Now, in the Bible, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus summed up everything I just told you in one verse. He said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That is biblical surrender. And in that verse, we find three attitudes that are at work Concerning surrender. A willingness to deny yourself. A willingness to take up your cross daily. And a willingness to follow Jesus. Now as Jesus begins talking about self-denial. As he begins talking about cross-bearing. We need to find out what do you really mean there? What's Jesus really talking about? Here, Because many people think that denying self is nothing more than giving up TV programming or not watching video games or not playing with video games, not participating in recreational activities. Some people think that it's not partaking of your favorite snack. Others still think that it means to be so dead to self that you hate yourself. Well, both of those are wrong because what Jesus is really focusing on here is the importance of rejecting self. Rejecting self as the center of your universe. Jesus is focusing on you rejecting self as the center of your life. He's focusing on you rejecting self as the center of all your actions day to day. You see, for the believer... Self is no longer in charge. Self is no longer in charge. Jesus is in charge. Jesus is the boss. That's what I love to tell the kids. Jesus is the boss of my life. That's something they can understand. But when you hear that phrase, deny himself, what that reminds us is that we need to say no to oneself regularly and say yes to God regularly to take up our cross daily 
reminds us that just as Jesus took up His cross to accomplish the will of God, so too must you and I endure whatever is necessary to live how God wants us to live. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. And finally, He says, follow me. And that reminds us that this Christian life we're living is a moment-by-moment decision. A moment-by-moment decision to take the same road of sacrifice and the same road of surrender that Jesus took. That, friends, is biblical surrender. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote about his own road to surrender. And in Philippians, did I say that right? Philippians, yes, chapter 3, beginning in verse 4, Paul wrote this. He said, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gain, what things were gain to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence, there we go, the excellence, the excellence of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That's his own road. You see, Paul was the cream of the crop. He was the most religious of the religious. And even though he was the cream of the crop, Paul yielded. Even though Paul was a Hebrew among Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees, Paul surrendered his life for the glory of God. What things were gain to Paul, he counted as loss, counted them as trash compared with the excellence of knowing Jesus. You see, the excellent Christian life is not about imitation. It's not just about imitating the things that Jesus did. No, it's not imitation. It's habitation. It's habitation. Biblical excellence occurs when our Savior lives through those who have surrendered their life to Him. It's habitation. Biblical excellence is an exchanged life. His life for mine. My life for His. What is mine Belongs to Jesus and praise God. What is Jesus's belongs to me. And I'm thankful for that. But remember. Lest you get discouraged. It's a process. Biblical excellence. Takes time. It takes time. And diligence. And being intentional. And deliberate. But nonetheless we are challenged to surrender. Every single circumstance of our lives to him. On a daily basis. So. You must ask yourself. And often. Whose life am I living anyway? 
Am I living my life? Or am I living the life of Christ who habitates and lives through me? Years ago, Lydia Joel was the head of the Performing Arts Dance Academy in New York City. And when the freshman students came to class for orientation, Lydia addressed them and she said this, You are faced with an absolutely undemocratic situation. You don't have any rights here. Your only right is to come to class and be wonderful. You can't protest. You can't be absent. You can only come and put forth the work. You must give your entire self, she said, in an act of faith. If you got a problem with that, you're going to find heartbreak. But if you can manage to live through four years of surrendering your life, your life will be literally changed. Changed. Friends, these students were asked to give up everything. To give it all up in order to experience change. They were asked to give it all up in order to be rewarded with excellence. What does God ask of you? I've already come to Him, I've already asked for His forgiveness. What more does God want from me? He wants you to give up everything. He wants you to give up everything. And what should be your motivation to do such a thing? That you'll be changed. Changed for the glory of God because you've given up everything for the cause of Christ. Well, I need to know what's in this for me. Right? What are the rewards if I surrender like that? I'll become biblically excellent. Friends, have you, have you ever voluntarily handed your life over to God? I know that most of you have walked an aisle. Many of you have prayed a sinner's prayer. Many of you have been dunked in the waters of baptism. Many of you clock in on Sunday morning. Some of you clock in at life groups on Sunday morning. Many of you serve in Jesus' name. But have you ever surrendered your life to God? Have you ever surrendered your entire life to God? Friends, as I pray here in just a second... I want you to consider surrendering your whole life to God. I'm going to pray a prayer of surrender. And if you're in agreement, you just pray these words along with me. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, right here, And right now, 
I abandon myself to you. I've tried in every way that I can think of to manage myself and to make myself become what I know I ought to be. To make myself be what you created me to be. But today, I give up everything for you. Lord, will you take complete possession of me? Lord, will you make me into an instrument that honors and glorifies you? Lord, I leave myself in your capable hands. And I trust your promise, Lord, to create in me a vessel set apart for your perfect use. Yes, Lord, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And this life that I'm now living in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And it's in his name that I pray these things. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Friends, not only is biblical excellence rooted in surrender, there's also a secondary cost. There's a secondary cost. For you see, biblical excellence is also not only rooted in surrender, get this, It's reflected in obedience. It's fleshed out. It's manifested in obedience. In Philippians 2.13, Paul wrote to that church, For it is God, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. You see, just because the God we serve is not seen does not mean that the results of a life surrendered to Him is not seen. No, they are seen. People got to see Jesus in you. People got to see that you walk like Jesus walked to make an impact on your circle of friends. To make an impact, you guys, on your football team. To have influence in your family. To be biblically excellent. You gotta prove. You gotta prove, friend, that you possess what you profess. Are you hearing me, church? You gotta prove that you possess what you profess. It's resulting as a matter of habit. It's obeying, it's yielding as a matter of habit to God's authority on your life. How many of you know that God owns your life? That God has authority over everything you do, everything you say. He's got authority over your marriage. He's got authority over your home. He's got authority over your workplace. God has the authority. He's the creator and we are the created He has the authority. And think about this. 
if our lives are rooted in surrender, as they should be, then it's only natural that we'll yield to God's authority. If our lives are rooted in surrender, it will only be natural that we will obey the commands of God. If our lives are rooted in surrender, it's only natural, friend, that you're going to please Him by living for Him and obeying everything that He's taught you to do. Listen, God will not force your obedience. He could, but He won't. He wants your obedience to come as a result of your love for Him. He wants you to love Him enough to yield to His authority over your life. So, that being said, obedience, or the lack thereof, indicates your level of excellence. But you know what's more important than that? Your obedience or your lack thereof also indicates how much you love God. Wow, she must not love God very much. Look at the way she's acting. Boy, you can tell he don't love God. Look how he's living. It's a direct reflection of how much you love the Lord your God. In fact, Charles Swindoll said, the very best proof of your love for God, the very best proof of your love for God is obedience. Listen, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Obedience. Yielding to the authority of God in your life. But I love asking God questions. Do you? I know he gets tired of it, but I ask him anyway. And I ask God, God, why do you want me to obey you? I know you know better than I do, but why do you want me to obey you? And how in heaven's name can I, a sinful man, as a matter of habit, submit to your incredible authority? And you know what God told me? He said, son... You got to make it personal. He said, Son, you got to internalize this idea of obedience. See, we have to understand that obeying God is for our good, it's not for God's good. Obeying God is for our good. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, Moses said this to the people of God. He said, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? We could ask that of ourselves, huh? Kevin, what does the Lord your God require of you? Wendy, what does the Lord your God require of you? Alan, what does the Lord your God require of you? This is what the great prophet Moses said. Fear the Lord your God. Walk in all his ways. Love him and serve him with all your heart and all your soul. And here we go. 
and keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes which I command to you today. Now here comes the big part. For your good. For your good. I want you to keep my commandments. So Moses reminded the people of God of the essence of the laws of God. He, he said, worship the Lord your God. He said, live according to His will. Love Him completely. Serve Him with all your heart and soul. And do what I say. Obey my word. But then the Bill Barlow came out in me again. And I said, but why? But why, God? As clear as I'm standing before you today, God pointed out those three words that Moses told the people of God. For your good. See, God is very interested in your good. And he said, I want you to obey me for your good. For your own good. For your own benefit. For your own well-being. I want you to obey me because I know what's best and you don't. So, friend, what is your attitude toward obedience? What's your attitude toward obeying God? Well, let me make this personal for you. Are you ever prompted by the Spirit of God to call a friend to encourage them? Are you ever prompted by the Spirit of God to write a note, to send a text? To make that call, are you ever prompted to go visit somebody in the hospital, not for your good, but for their good? Are you ever prompted by the Spirit to serve someone in some, some way? And then you say, you know what? That is such a good idea. I'm going to do that. But then for some reason or another, you don't get around to it. Jesus taught about that particular attitude in Luke chapter 6. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said about that attitude. He said, But why do you call me Lord, but don't do what I tell you to do? Why are you calling me the boss, but you're not doing what I say? Why do you call me Lord and do not do the things which I say? He goes on to say, Whoever comes after me and hears my sayings and does them, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the floods arose like in New Orleans and the storm beat like Hurricane Ida, and when that flood arose and that stream beat vehemently against the house, it could not be shaken for it was founded on the rock. However, he who heard and did nothing, he who acknowledged me as the boss but ignored what I said to do, is like this. He's like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently. And immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. 
the ruin of that house was great. So the question begs to be asked, do you hear? Do you obey and stand on the rock? Or do you hear and do nothing and stand in ruin? It's your choice. Which one will you do? Can I tell you that Satan doesn't mind you being religious? He don't mind one bit you coming to church all the time. Satan doesn't mind you reading your Bible. He doesn't mind you studying your Bible. He doesn't mind you coming and listening to great preaching. But what really gets him is when you act. What really gets the enemy of God is when you obey God's word. And listen, it's always our choice. It's always our choice to either obey God or disobey God. And I want you to know that God desires that you voluntarily submit to his perfect will for your life. It is God who works in us all to will and to do for his good pleasure. So the question is, do you will to do the will of God? Do you will to do the will of God? If so, can I tell you, God will reinforce your will. God will enable you to do what He's called you to do. Do you will to do the will of God? Secondly, do you will to know the will of God? If so, you won't consider your own feelings all the time. You won't be considering your own interest all the time. No, you'll be considering the interests and the desires of God on your life. More than anything, listen y'all, for your own benefit, for your own good, for your own well-being, God desires that you grow. God desires that you become like Jesus Christ in His attitude toward obedience. Well, what was that? What was Jesus' attitude? What kind of attitude did Jesus have when it came to obeying the Father? I'm glad you asked because in Philippians chapter 2, it's spelled out for us all. Paul writes, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery being equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became, here it comes, he became obedient God the Son became obedient to God the Father to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Even the death of the cross. You see, Jesus understood that biblical excellence comes with a cost. For you and I, it doesn't result in death necessarily, although it did does for the Afghanistan church 
But for Jesus, it did come with a cost of death. Not only just dying, but dying a criminal's death on the cross. But it was a cost that was rooted in surrender. You see, Jesus surrendered himself for us. And then he reflected that surrender by obeying the Father. I don't know about you, but I think Jesus was biblically excellent. Are you? Are you? It is my fervent prayer that you be reminded today how desperately God wants you to surrender your life to Him. We hold back. Lord, we hold back. But He wants each and every one of your days. He wants each and every one of your minutes to count for Him. Friend, if you want your life to count, if you want to be biblically excellent, if you want to make a difference for the glory of God, you've got to understand there's a cost. There's a cost. You must choose to be totally surrendered and fully obedient to the Father. When you do, you can trust that Jesus will give you the strength to obey when you make the choice to obey. Are you hearing me, church? Jesus will give you the strength to obey when you make the choice. I'm obeying the Father. Good, my daughter. I'll give you the strength to obey. You see, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in, say in, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And there is no other name given under heaven whereby men and women might be saved. It's Jesus. Surrendering to Jesus. Obeying Jesus. So friends, today, if you desire to have a biblically excellent life, Will you root that, that life in surrender and will you reflect it in obedience? Furthermore, friend, if you desire eternal life in heaven, if you desire a relationship with God that begins immediately, it's available to you today. And we invite you today to trust and obey Jesus. Let me pray for you.